Welcome, all you blokes and chillers, to the Sport Chat from the Gold Coast, Australia. In the Sport Chat this week, we're going to talk about some of the sporting topics of the week and go back in time and have some of our favourite sporting memories from the past as well as the news and events, music and film, and lots more. And all from and with our great mate, Paul Tonner. We acknowledge the Ugambe people, past and present, the traditional custodians of this land, of the Gold Coast. We thank the Yogambe people for the opportunities to do this podcast on their land. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Sports Shack. I hope you are well and have had a great sporting week. Hi Glenn. Hi Paul. <laughs> How's it going? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Flat chat. <laughs> but no, surviving. Yeah. It's going to be two. Another trip down to Sydney early in the morning. Yeah. You might have to come around wake me up at three o'clock. <laughs> I've already got a slap of the week. I, yeah. I've got a habit of, well, a slap of, there's a slap for me. Yeah. Right, two slaps. Yeah. Big slaps. Uh, well, what have you done? <laughs> well, I set my alarm this morning. And it didn't wake me up, and the reason was because I set it on PM instead of AM. Yeah. And you know what the other big slap is? Who was the one who completely bagged the Socceroos and said they didn't have a hope in Hades of making the World Cup? Yeah. And what what do they do? Yeah. They qualified. Yeah. Yeah. So, huge slap. Yeah. And I've got egg on my face. Yeah. And congratulations to them, you know, because they, uh, they were just written off completely. Yeah. You know, like they they won that game against United Arab Emirates. Yeah. And, you know, they had to go play the fifth place South American team to qualify. Yeah. And that was against Peru. Yeah. Good side, you know, very yeah. good side. And, yeah. yeah, I didn't get up and watch the game, um, you know. Yeah. But, oh, boy, apparently they did really well. They were the yeah. better team. They came from behind in the penalty playoff. Yeah. And a guy called Andrew Redmayne, who I've never, ever heard of, yeah. was the hero. Oh, yeah? Yep. He was a goalkeeper, Graham Arnold, who's been bagged, bagged like no other coach in the history of mankind yeah. for the last few years. Uh, he pulls off a master stroke. Yeah. So with about one minute to go in extra time, he puts takes his captain off, who's a goalkeeper, yeah. puts Redmayne on. Yeah. Redmayne <laughs> saves a, sends us through to the World Cup. Yeah, he gets it up. Yeah, the grey wiggle, they call him, because yeah. of these uh, antics when he's, you know, it looks like he's doing a wiggle dance uh, yeah. in, the, in the goal yeah. box there. Yeah. But no, congratulations to them, and you know, like they'll get beaten. They'll, they'll yeah. probably they probably won't go very well. They're in yeah. a tough group. You know, there's no easy group really in the World yeah. Cup. But just to, the fact to make it there, you know, fifth consecutive World Cup. Yeah. You know, I'll take my hat off yeah. to them. That's tremendous effort. Yeah. And but you got to feel sorry for a lot of these countries that don't make the World Cup. Because yeah. only 32 can qualify. Yeah. And, you know, Peru, that we were like 42 in the world, they're like 20 in the world. Yeah. You 
and you've got countries like Italy. <laughs> this is like, you know, they're the European champions. Yeah. And they're um, won the World Cup about three times, four yeah. times. Yeah. And this is the second World Cup in a row. They haven't qualified. Yeah. Yeah. It's oh. just so much harder when, when you're playing in Europe, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Anyway, you got a slap of the week? Yeah, I've got one. Um, I can't pronounce his name, so I've, I've digitised it. Alicia Spargaro. Spargaro. Alicia Spargaro. He's a um, Spanish GP rider. Yeah. This was a couple of weeks ago because when it happened. But he was at his home track in Spain and... Um, he was leading, and they thought he'd, he'd, he'd finished, the race had finished. So he still slowed down. So he slowed down and then realised they he had one lap to go. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, we're going to talk about a cyclist today who did exactly yeah. the same thing. Yeah. yeah. But he was really embarrassed. He, but he, he, um, he did pull it, come in, I think, fifth. Yeah. Yeah, so it didn't look, yeah, uh, get too far oh, down the pack. Gosh, he'd be spitting but, chips. But he was just so embarrassed. Yeah. At his home track and in front of the home crowd. Oh my lord. And um when he got into the into the um the garage he just went and hit him in the corner. Oh, yeah, it just How would you feel? Yeah. 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 Oh gosh. Yeah. We could have put him on this week's episode. Yeah. Sports people who won after others' misfortune. He yeah. would have been a big candidate, wouldn't yeah. he? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I heard uh, the Australian Grand Prix is going to be in Melbourne until 2033, 2035 now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they made the decision the other day. Oh, yeah. Mm. yeah. How do you feel about that? Um, yeah, yeah, I would have liked to see it go to Sydney. Yeah. Have it around the rocks track, which I think would have been spectacular. Mm, yeah. But it is, it is, the, the track is more restricted to, you know, compared to Melbourne or Adelaide, because of the way it weaves around the rocks in Sydney. Yeah. Yeah. I was walking around the rocks early on Monday morning. Yeah. Yeah. I've been down there for ages. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, but um, no, you a lot better. We thought you might have had COVID the other day, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. I've raced over with a rat test yeah. for you. Yeah, <laughs> no, you're sounding a lot better than what you did the other day. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm coming good. Ah, oh, that's good. She's good. Yeah. I have, a, I have a, um, a, a winner for the week. Oh, yep. Um. But it's not sports related. Yeah, that's all right. It, in the in the shack here, we use Rhodes pod, podcaster um, desk. They've now brought out the second one in the series, and it's it's a beauty. Yeah, it's got tons more features and okay, and that's so I look forward to upgrading to that. What what's it called again? Podcaster Pro. Oh right, so, it's so you can add more features to it. Yeah. No, well, this it's a it's a new desk. Yeah. A new console, but it's got a lot more features. Oh, fantastic! So that'll be good to 
Yeah. Get in and um. Oh, I look forward to hearing that. Yeah. Mm. They're, a bit, they're, they're about oh, two hundred and fifty dollars more than the pro than the pro one desk, but um. Yeah. But it's got a lot more in there. Oh, brilliant! Yeah. yeah. More, more, more insights to play with. More, more applications. It's amazing how podcasts have come along in the last five to ten years. Oh, yeah. You know, when you, I remember listening to some back in around 2017. And yeah. Nowhere near as advanced as they are yeah. now. Yeah, because yeah. roads, roads, mainly been um, doing microphones. Right. Uh, that, that's their main business. Okay. But yeah, well, the the they great success with the road podcaster one and then uh, then with feedback for users of the of the road desks they brought out the second one. Oh great. With new features. Yeah, I've never heard of it before. It's, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. It's an Australian company. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Any other winners or Oh, I'll put me down. We've had some nice sunny weather. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a winner. That's been good. Yeah, I hope it keeps up. Yeah. But a couple of nights ago, there it um got a bit chilly. Yeah, yeah. I was bloody cold, and I had all the blankets on, but I felt like getting another one. But I just couldn't talk myself into yeah. getting out and getting it. Look <laughs> <laughs> at this. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone who has a cold share on the middle of winter is a winner. Yeah. I had to have one where I was staying in Sydney last weekend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why was that? Because there's no hot water in the place. Yeah. Well, yeah, I ended up finding a shower that had a that was warm for a li- for Livy. Yeah. But the one I used and I <laughs> bothered. Oh, yeah. I couldn't be bothered. Yeah. You know, after a while. When I was a young, when I was in my teens, I used to get around in a singlet and t- shorts in the middle yeah. of winter. But bloody hell, now if it starts to drop below twenty six degrees, I yeah. I start going for a jumper. <laughs> Do you? Yeah. yeah. Well, I've, this jumper's been on and off like a butcher's cap. Yeah. I mean, a barber's cap all day. Yeah. This jumper on and off. Yeah. Yeah. But um. Nah, some of my winners, so I'll, un- <laughs> it hurts me to say, there's a few winners that, yeah, it hurts me to say it, yeah, but I will say it, because I'll take my hat off to them. Yeah. Queensland State of Origin side for their win last week, away from home. But they won? Yeah, 16-10. This is the first game. Mm. Wow. So the loser is New South Wales, because it's going to be yeah. bloody hard for them now. So where did they play the first game? That was in Sydney. Yeah. yeah, but the next game's in Perth. But the thing oh, yeah. is, the third game's up here. Yeah. So yeah, they're going to find it bloody hard. Yeah. <laughs> they really got their backs to the wall now. So you can. You cannot afford to lose an Origin on on at home. Yeah. You're stuffed if you do. Yeah. And but I was wrong about the Socceroos, wasn't I? Yeah. You know. So yeah. in Perth, who you reckon will come out best? Well. New South Wales flogged them a few years ago when they played there. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I think Queensland be hard to beat. I just yeah. think, you know, New South Wales are just yeah. missing a few big guns. Like, they just don't have the attack 
Yeah. They've had in previous years, you yeah. know, when they've won. Yeah. They're missing their two best attacking players and that's, you know, yeah. Yeah, it's really going to bite you hard. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, another winner's Rafael Nadal won his 14th French Open. Yeah. Bless my soul. Yeah. He's amazing, isn't he? Yeah. They don't call him the king of clay for nothing. No. And Jessica Fox, our um, slalom canoeist, she yeah. won gold at the World Cup. Yeah. And Minji Lee, the Aussie golfer, she won the American Open, yeah. US yeah. Open. Yeah, yeah. No, they're saying that she's going to be mm. good. Yeah. Big future for her. Oh, she's going great. Well, she's got a brother who plays on the, um, the men's tour. Yeah. Yeah, and he's he's. Got a good future too. Yeah. And the England cricket team for their incredible comeback against New Zealand yeah. at Trent Bridge. Yeah, when New Zealand batted first in the second test and yeah. they got about 575 and England fought back and won. Yeah. yeah incredible performance. Yeah. Johnny Bairstow, he scored a brilliant century in the second yeah. innings. And another winner is Aussie Glenn Maxwell in the... It was the first one, Dale. Yeah, he's got 80 runs off, um, 80 not out of 51 balls. Yeah. If it wasn't for his innings, there's no way we would have won that match. But yeah. Sri Lanka won game two last night. But uh, with losers, I've got these golfers who play in this Saudi organised golf league. Yeah. yeah, the Neville League, I call it. Like the Super League, <laughs> the Neville yeah. League. So. Yeah, just the greed and, you know, like a few of the golfers like Lee Westwood and Ian Poulter, they were asked, you know, and they couldn't answer the question. Yeah. They refused to answer it. They were asked by a um, a journalist there, yeah. you know. Yeah, like if you, if um, Vladimir Putin um, yeah. said, oh, you know, that he'd be interested in having a Saudi League tournament in Russia. Would you go and attend? Yeah. And they wouldn't answer the question. Uh, oh, we refuse to answer hypotheticals. Yeah. yeah, of course they'd bloody go. And Para, they're a massive loser yeah. for their pathetic performance. Oh, you pick on Para. Oh, mate, that was just absolutely Russia. diabolical. Yeah. <laughs> like, they played Canterbury, who yeah. haven't been able to beat Tom with a stick yeah. all year. And last year, and Canterbury beat them like 34 points to four. Yeah. Yeah, so the inconsistency with Paris is just breathtaking. Just, yeah. you know. Yeah, so, nah, just the frustration yeah. of every Paris supporter, you know. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And our greatest loser in his... You'd have to be get the award for getting the most loser awards every week. Yeah. Nick Kyrgios. Yeah. Did you see him on TV with his bloody antics and smashing rackets and no. carrying on? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's really. up to his old tricks again. Yeah. Why well, give him publicity, this twit? Yeah. If he doesn't want to play, don't yeah. play. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. yeah. He's just... Uh, he just needs to be wiped out of the game because yeah. his his behaviour on court is just just shocking. 
you know. Yeah. And you know, we've spoken about other tennis players that carry on, and yeah, it's such a bad example role model, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. It's, Younger it's, tennis yeah, players, yeah. and uh, it's just. But I wonder how they're sponsored. Yeah, if they were sponsored by the a racket manufacturer. Yeah. How they feel about him? Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. Reckon their product. Yeah. When he yeah, when he probably gets paid. Yep. Yeah, to promote them. Yeah. Uh, well, they get so much money, they couldn't give a damn how many records they smash. I guess. Yeah. You know, but, yeah. um, just unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. And the fact that he's been doing it for so long now, and yeah. Anyway, look at some sports news from around the globe. So Steph Curry, he scored forty-three points to help the Golden State Warriors level a series against the Boston Celtics, 107-97. to Yeah, so the win locked the series up at 2-all, and from what I last heard, yeah, the, the Warriors took a 3-2 lead. Yeah. So I think they're up an extra game now. It's best of seven series. And Bryson DeChambeau became the latest golfer to join the Saudi-backed uh, Live Golf Series, it's called. Yeah. yeah, and the PGA Tour has officially suspended golfers who are participating in these uh, live golf t- events. So yeah. good on them for putting their foot down, and yeah. they've said they can no longer participate in PGA Tour tournaments. So and their FedEx Cup points get removed. Yeah, but I think they're still allowed to play in the majors, which yeah. I don't agree with. But yeah, yeah. Over time, that might you know they might get wiped out there, but yeah. yeah. And congratulations to Wales; they've qualified for their first World Cup since 1958 yeah. after a one-nil win over Ukraine. Yeah. yeah. So some of the Welsh national football team staff, though, will uh, not travel to the World Cup, as reported by James Williams from BBC Wales because of guitar stance on gay rights. Yeah. Yeah, so the uh, the World Cup's all... Uh, yeah, all the teams are all set now, 32 teams. Yeah. And I was having a look and, yeah, there's a record six Asian sides yeah. that have made the... qualified for the World Cup. Uh, um, Australia's one of them. Yeah. Yeah, so we used to play in the Oceania... Oceania yeah. Conference, but it was uh, about oh, tw- oh, about seventeen years ago. Yeah. We joined Asia, and that's been one of the best things. Yeah, because it's an easier path, uh, and yeah, we get more competitive games. Yeah. leading up. So, but no, it's interesting. Yeah, I noticed Canada; they've qualified for the World Cup this time around. Yeah. so yeah, it was a great achievement for them. Yeah. But no, Australia's in the... We play uh, France, and so they'll be... <laughs> they're like defending yeah. World Cup champions. Yeah. We, we did really well against them last time, 2-1, they yeah. beat us. Yeah. Um, but we put in a great performance. Yeah. And who else do we play? We play Denmark again. So we had a draw against them, but that's going to be a tough game. Yeah. They're a really good side. And uh, Tunisia, we play. They're the North African country. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, mm. yeah, they've been in quite a few World Cups over the years. So, yeah, it's a tough group. Anyway, 
but it's great that we're there because we honestly didn't think we would be there. Yeah. Yeah. So this week we're going to discuss some of the sports people or teams over the years who although have gone on to have victory in their event and performed exceptionally well and seized the moment, there has been an unfortunate event from their fellow competitor that has assisted them along the way. Yeah. Now, when you think of sports people teams that have had assistance from others' misfortune, what comes to your mind, Glenn? Yeah, well, I'll just carry on with the GP race that I just mentioned about mm. the, the Spanish rider. You know, I thought the race was over, which allowed the, the, the French... Fabio Quartararo. Hey... <laughs> <laughs> Don't know where that came from. Anyway, yeah, when when yeah, gave him the win. Yeah, of the Spanish Grand Prix track, yeah, GP uh, made a GP race. Mm. But apparently, the, the 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 Spanish one, the Spanish rider, Alicia Spargaro, Spargaro. <laughs> <laughs> he he was he he done really well in the one two fives. Oh, okay. Yeah, he came up for the ranks that way, and he he was. A champion for quite quite a few years, right? Yeah, so yeah. I tried to get more details of the race, but yeah, couldn't get any real footage to find out, you know, who, what the what the um, leaderboard was like mm. when before before Alicia Spargaro Spargaro, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, stopped racing. I guess it must be easy for them when they're going around a circuit time yeah. and over and over and over yeah. to lose track of, well, you know. Well, you know, you know, the, the, the um, unless they well, the pit crew normally you know, put out the sign yeah. last lap. Yeah. Yeah, and then, and then you see the, the guy with the chicken flag. Mm. So I don't know whether he... he, he his team didn't put it out, but I'm sure they did. But yeah. he obviously thought, well, well, he thought this team put it out. Maybe he yeah. might have seen someone else or something else yeah. to get that. But yeah, he was um, yeah, forgot all about it. Because in track and field, they ring the uh, bell. Yeah, yeah. Because um, one commentator said, well. All the other riders kept going because they had pick-up yeah. at the school. <laughs> so, yeah, made some smiles coming like that. Oh, yeah, but, but that was just the, in the motorcycle racing. Yeah. You know, yeah. where a rider get, you know, makes a mistake like that that cost him, you know, the lead and, you know, 20-odd points yeah. on, the, on the board, on the leader's board. But, yeah. Yeah, if you go on the YouTube... Yeah. Um, you just type in like sports people who celebrated too early, yeah. and yeah, there's quite a few. There's yeah. <laughs> motor motor racing ones there, yeah, yeah, yeah. especially motorcycling where they yeah. slowed down, you know, arms yeah. in the air and. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've had we've had um we've talked about Adam Gilchrist, yeah, you know, walking off and not walking off when. When he knows he's out and he's being called, mm. not out, and and he's walked and, and vice versa. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's happened 
happening now in cricket, you know, like, um, yeah, in the past, like, umpires would signal an A ball, you know, yeah. if they stepped over the line. But yeah. now with technology, yeah. you know, they can just go back and if, if a batsman's out and then just recall him, oh, yeah, sorry, I made a mistake. Yeah. Yeah, they just got to go up to the third umpire and, yeah. no, his foot was over the line. No, he's got yeah. to come back. Okay. Yeah, that happens a lot now. Yeah. And I, I don't agree with it. You know, they're, they're the do-a job. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, ones that I that come to my mind that have gained victory after the misfortune of others, um, well, our mate, <laughs> Neville Glover. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So Manly winning the 1976 Rugby League Grand Final. After Paris, Neville Glover dropped a simple pass with the line wide open yeah. in the dying minutes. Yeah. It was Paris' first grand final appearance. So it would have been their first victory. And he's dropped it cold as a spud. Yeah. Yeah. And that was it. And, yeah, we spoke about this guy, uh, another rugby league example. Yeah. The, um, I think it was in our Howlers episode. And... Goes back to 1968. His name was Don Fox from Wakefield Trinity. Yeah. And it was in the 1968 Challenge Cup final. And uh, they were playing Leeds at Wembley in front of a crowd of 100,000. Yeah. The Challenge Cup final's just huge over there. Like it's their grand final, basically. Yeah. And Trinity scored, you know, right on the full time siren to make the score Leeds 11, Wakefield Trinity 10. Mm. And poor old Don Fox, he's had this conversion attempt right in front of the stick, yeah. right in front of the high diddle diddle. Yeah. yeah. Ten metres out, <laughs> and he kicks it wide, yeah. and he just falls to the ground, the poor bugger. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and Leeds won. Yeah, Leeds went on to win the title. Yeah. And, uh, well, yeah, golf especially comes to mind, yeah. especially at the Masters on the final day. You know, where things can just fall apart for golfers. And yeah, yeah one's misfortune can be another one's triumph. We'll yeah. talk about a few today. Yeah. And, oh boy, just in recent years, England in the 2019 Cricket World Cup final, yeah. who won that their first World Cup thanks to that throw from, yeah, they were playing New Zealand in the final, that throw from the deep. I can't yeah. remember who threw it, but. Yeah. Yeah, the ball has hit Ben Stokes' bat and gone for four runs. <laughs> and that was enough for them to yeah. win the World Cup. Yeah. Like, normally if it hits the batsman's bat, you know, the sportsmanship of the game comes in the play and they say, no. Nah. But that was different because it was, you know, yeah, it was unintentional. Yeah, so, yeah, that cost New Zealand victory in the World Cup, so... What are your th thoughts on the term choking, Glenn? Okay. <laughs> yeah, when they talk about choking in sports. Yeah. yeah so losing the... Well, yeah, just, you know. Yeah. Yeah, they've got... The pressure's got too much to them and... Yeah. You know, I've, I think you've heard me call them choke para, Parramatta choker matter over the years. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> I know it's not very fair, but... <laughs> Yeah, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of pressure on, yeah. Yeah. It's around like that. 
yeah, and you're only human, you make mistakes. That's right. So, yeah. Um, yeah, unless it's yeah, ongoing that you, they're doing it for in a purpose, they're purposely doing it. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know how they, you know, if you compare the sportsmen, professional sportsmen of today to mm. compared to the 70s and 60s. Where 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 it wasn't a full time profession. Yeah, you know you're working, you got a family. That's right, and you're playing sport. Yeah, you're training, and you're playing on weekends. So, yep. how would have they handled it back then? That's right. You know, surely you would have made more stuff ups. Mm. Yeah, then, but but then again, there was a, you know, it was a different kind of pressure. Yeah, you know, these days I think that, yeah, you know, we've Professional sportsmen, yeah, mm. it's a, it's a full time job, yeah, and there's pressure on them to, to, yeah, for sports people to perform at their peak. And sporting at that high level, you know, it just takes one little thing, you know, lapse yeah. of concentration. It, it's not really choking, you know. It's just, yeah, yeah, they might just be having a bad day, and yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. but. Uh, Oh, Greg Norman used to get, you know, labelled a choker so, all the time, didn't he? Yeah. But, you know, a lot of people didn't think of the uh, the two majors he won. Yeah. And the bad luck that he had in some of those majors. Yeah. And all the uh, other tournaments that he won. Yeah. You know, other PGA tournaments and European tournaments and yeah. the number of weeks he was world number one for and, yeah. yeah. But, uh Anyway, we'll move on to our quiz now. Okay. You know, I just talk away there. I've been playing around with the the desk here. Here we go. <laughs> time for the day. It's quiz time. It's quiz time. Rightio. So some of these questions today, especially all well, the first two, yeah, we've spoken about them in uh, previous episodes. So yeah, if you can, if you're listening in those episodes and you cast your mind back, you'll you know the answers. But <laughs> yeah. you might know the answers already anyway. So <laughs> anyway, question number one: What was what is the name of the Scottish golfer who went on to win the 1999 British Open in a playoff after Frenchman Jean Vandeveld triple bogeyed the 18th hole? Yeah. So, what was the name of the Scottish golfer who went on to win the 1999 British Open in a playoff after the Frenchman Jean Vandeveld triple bogey the 18th hole? Yeah. Right, question two. What was the name of the two South African batsmen who had an infamous mix-up with the scores tied in the 1999 Cricket World Cup semi-final, resulting in a run-out against Australia? Yeah. Yeah, what was the name of the two South African batsmen who had an infamous mix-up with the scores tied in the 1999 Cricket World Cup semi-final, resulting in a run-out against Australia? Yeah, so because of that run-out, they crashed out of the tournament and Australia went through to the final and went on to win the World Cup. Yeah. Mm. Right, third question, last question. So, what is the name of the former great tennis player who went on to defend the Australian Open title in 1990 
after the great Swedish player Stefan Edberg had to retire injured during the final. So what is the name of the former great tennis player who went on to defend his Australian Open title in 1990 after the great Swedish player Stefan Edberg had to retire injured during the final? So we'll give the answers now. So question number one. So name of the Scottish golfer. He went on to win the 1999 British Open in a playoff. So his name was... Uh, Paul Lawrence. Paul Laurie. Oh, yeah. yeah. He was 10 shots behind. Yeah. It was like one of the greatest comebacks in sporting history. Yeah. 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 That's a long way behind. Yeah. <laughs> On the last day. Yeah. Yeah. Poor old Jean. Yeah. yeah. And Paul hasn't done much ever since. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he won that major and you can't take that away from him. Uh. Right, the name of the two South African batsmen who had an infamous mix-up with scores tied in the 1999 Cricket World Cup semi-final against Australia. Their names were? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) Lance Kusler. Yeah, Lance Kloosner. Kloosner and Alan Donald. Alan Donald, yeah. So, yeah, both great cricketers, but unfortunately they're remembered a lot for that incident. Uh, yeah, and the same thing happened the ball before. Yeah. You know, they had a mix-up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Darren Lehman, he's missed that throw yeah. from point-blank range yeah. right next to the stumps. Yeah. Oh, that was an incredible match, that. Yeah, the greatest, well, it's been labelled pretty much the greatest one-day game ever. Yeah. And the name of the former great tennis player went on to defend his Australian Open title in 1990 when Stefan Edberg had to retire injured in the final. Yeah, the answer was... Ivan Lindor. Ivan Lindor. Yeah. yeah. Okay. This week's Who Am I? Right. So, who have we got this week? Oh, we have... A golfer. He's uh-huh. a very famous golfer. He's an yeah. English golfer. Yeah. yeah. So, I was born in 1957 and I am an English professional golfer and television commentator. Now, I was one of the best players of my era and according to Wikipedia, I was ranked number one in the official world golf rankings for a total of 97 weeks. I had 41 professional wins, mainly on the European Tour, and six major championships, which included three British Open championships and three Masters. At the 1996 Masters, I went into the final round, trailing Greg Norman by six shots. Now, I benefited greatly from Norman's final round collapse, in which he shot 78. God, I'd be ecstatic if I shot 78. (laughs) (laughs) My brilliant final round of 67 to win win the the Masters by five shots was much ignored. I showed tremendous sportsmanship by hugging Norman and consoling him on the 18th green. I'm now a television commentator for major golf championships and in 2006 I became the lead golf analyst for CBS Sports. Now, I've since become a... Television commentator for major golf championships 
Oh, yeah, we've already put that one. Yeah. <laughs> he became, oh, yep, I became a lead golf analyst for CBS Sports. That was in 2012. We've got a misprint there. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's my Chromebook playing up. Oh, yeah. Now, Faldo, ah, <laughs> I nearly uh-huh. mentioned him. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I, I was voted BBC's, uh, yeah, the BBC Sport on-air team. Uh-huh. I was part of that coverage. I'm part of that coverage for the Open Championships, and I was made a Knight Bachelor in the 2009 Birthday Honours for my services to golf. Yeah. Now, I've given a bit of a hint there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> then you've got to come up with his full name. Uh, <laughs> so if you're able to rewind that spot, well, good luck to you. <laughs> Scandal, you might have picked it up, you, you may know. Yep. May okay, know. my name is... Yes, we need Livy back here to do the who am I's because I keep stuffing them up. Uh, (laughs) We're going to wait a while before she's. Oh, she'll be back next week. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we move on to our next episode section. Where are they now? Okay, so this week we're going back to the world of track and field. Now. This man, it's one of the great stories of have, uh, tragedy. Yeah, tragedy and then triumph. Yeah. So his name is Andrew Lloyd. Now, we've yeah. got the Commonwealth Games coming up in about 40 days. Yeah. They're being held in Birmingham in the UK. Yeah. Now, this man, he uh, really made a name for himself at the 1990 Commonwealth Games. Well, many people... Uh, I'd say they've completely forgotten all about him. Yeah. Yeah. But what he did this day was uh, just amazing. So, Andrew Lloyd, he was born in Colchester, England in 1959 and is a Austra- former Australian runner. His main events were the 5,000 and 10,000 metres and the marathon. Now, Lloyd represented Australia at the 1988 Olympics and the 1985 89 World Cross Country Championships. Now, Lloyd won many prestigious Australian road races in the 1980s and 90s, which included four City the Surfs and three Melbourne marathons. He also won the 1980 Gold Coast Marathon. Gee, yeah. I didn't realise it went all the way back to then. Yeah. But I used to run in those City the Surfs around that time. And yeah. Yeah, he won some of the races I went in. Uh, yeah, yeah. My uncle. My, uh, Late Uncle Phil and my cousin Leanne used to do it every year. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was where I first heard of him. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the city of the surf, the guy he won. Yeah. But I thought he was just, you know, he was no big name because, you know, the Africans just dominate the Olympics yeah. when it comes to those distance events. And, um, yeah, but, oh, boy. It's a, <laughs> it's a tough race, that city of the surf. It only goes yeah. 14 Ks. Yeah. But it's hard yakka because yeah. you start right in the city there and yeah. you run through King's Cross. Yeah. Then you run up this. It's called Heartbreak Hill. Yeah. And it goes for probably five kilometres and yeah. it's all uphill, all around that posh, rich area in the eastern suburbs in Sydney. Yeah. And beautiful coast, you know, scenery. Yeah. And, um, but once you get to the top of Heartbreak Hill, it becomes yeah. a lot easier. Yeah. yeah. And then you... Continue the run down to, and you finish at um, Bondi Beach. Yeah. yeah. Well, I used to love going in it. Oh, geez, it was good. Yeah. Mm. 
Yeah. Uh, but I don't think they've had it for a few years because of COVID. Uh, but, um, no, just a massive event. Anyway, Floyd's performances in big events, however, was often questioned. However, that all changed at the 1990 Auckland Commonwealth Games where he won gold in the 5,000 metres final, defeating the great Kenyan runners John Nagugi, who, according to Anthony Sharwood in the Herald Sun, was the 5,000-metre Olympic gold medalist and the 5,000-metre world record holder, Yobis Ondeki. Yeah, so they're both Kenyan runners, and they're the greatest runners in the world at those distance events. So Sherwood described Lloyd as a skinny white bloke with porno moustache. <laughs> and you didn't expect guys looking like that to, you know, win these sort of events, especially as against the great Africans. Yeah. Yeah. However, Lloyd experienced a great tragedy five years earlier when his wife Lynn was killed in a car crash in which Andrew Lloyd miraculously survived. Now, they were on their way to the AIS, which is the Australian Institute of Sport in Canberra, where Lloyd trained. And a truck had strayed into the wrong side of the road. Uh Yeah, and Lloyd's right ankle bone was snapped right, right off. Yep. Uh Yeah, so he he had to be fused in one spot, according to Jonathan uh, Quaffhart. I think it is. In letsrun.com, Lloyd was yeah. told he would not run ever again. Now, yeah. he had six knee operations, and when he tried to run again, he struggled greatly. Yeah. His ankle was the size of a football, and yeah. it would take him about 90 seconds to run half a lap. So that's 90 seconds to do 200 metres, where before he was probably doing it in yeah. 30 seconds. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he had to deal, you know... The, the physical battle and also dealing with, dealing with the grief with losing his spouse. Uh, so it was a very, very tough time for him. Uh, and, yeah, Lloyd lost the motivation to run and compete, you know, just wanted to give up. And uh, However, Lloyd gives great credit to his best mate, Nick D. Costella, who was the brother of former world record holder Robert D. Costella, for helping, helping him during this extremely tough time. Now, Robert, Robert D. Costello, he was a, you know, great Australian marathon runner. And he uh, had, had the world record there for the marathon at one yeah. stage and he won the 1983 World Championships. Uh, and yeah. yeah. Didn't have any luck at the Olympics, but, you know, things didn't work out for him. But, uh, you know, he's probably biggest name in Australian sport around that, uh, you know, early to mid-80s. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he, he had the moustache too, didn't he? <laughs> Poor moustache. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, yeah, around that era that he, he was racing in, there was a lot of oh, yeah. style that way. Yeah. Well, all the, a lot of cricketers had that too, didn't they? Yeah, Bernie was a, yeah. a big arm. That's right. Big one for the moustache. Yeah, Dennis Lilly and Rod yeah. Marsh. and Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, so Nick D. Costello really helped Andrew Lloyd through this time. They're still great mates today, and Nick would take Lloydy fishing, camping. He also gives great, great credit to the psychological services at the AIS. Now, Lloyd performed well, making the semi-finals of the 5,000 metres at the 1988 Seoul Olympics, 
and reported that he had irritable bowel syndrome as a result from complications from the operations. So going into the 5,000 metres in Auckland in 1990, Lloyd said he felt more relaxed mentally and tactically. Now Lloyd's coach at the time, Dick Telford, I remember this Dick Telford back in the 80s, yeah. yeah, remember those um, Kellogg's Sustained Cereal when it first came out? Oh, yeah. yeah, he was the guy who was um, on the ads. Promoting that. Promoting it, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was eating his Sustained Cereal yeah. And yeah. And, and my, at the AIS saying it, you know. It's Jim's sport, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah so um, Lloyd's coach at the time. Dick Telford said in Let's Run.com, Nagugi was one of the greatest runners ever. Yeah. Yeah. And won the World Cross Country four times. Now, Telford's aim for Lloyd was that he wanted to maintain his ability to run around 1330. So that's for five kilometres. However, admitted that something had to happen in the race and was hoping for bad weather the day of the race because due to the high quality of the field. Now, there was every chance the top runners could run a 13.10, you know, if the conditions were right. However, Telford also hoped that the Kenyans would run against each other and instead of with each other, because they might run slower than normal. So when when you look at these distance events, you know, with these Kenyans, what they tend to do... They tend to um, help each other along, yeah. so one will race out the front. Uh-huh. You know, they'll act as a, like a pace. One of them will act a, as a, a pace, pace. Yeah. yeah, pacemaker. You know, uh-huh. to assist the others along. And uh-huh. yeah, well, I remember this happened at the last Commonwealth Games too. Yeah, but um, yeah, no, this day no, they were they were against each other. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, and that helped Andrew Lloyd that day. Uh-huh. Mm, but well. Something else helped him that day too, Mm. which we'll talk about right now. Uh. Mm. Yeah, so Telford worked on Lloyd's speed leading up to the games. Yeah, so in training, you know, he got Lloyd to run a lot of 400 metres. Yeah, so he worked on his speed leading up to the game and Lloyd's had a good preparation and he was in good shape. However, wasn't even the best runner at the AIS at the time, interesting. Yeah. yeah, during the race at Mount Smart Stadium, Auckland, the favourite Nagugi fell to the track during the second lap, and Ondiki fell on the fifth lap and failed to recover. Yeah, yeah. So Lloyd paced himself, however, staying at the back, back of the field. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I remember this race. Yeah. And. Uh, Oh, boy, it had a thrilling finish. Yeah, so Lloyd, he stayed at the back of the pack and he, was, he wasn't even aware of Nagugi falling over. Yeah. And Nagugi incredibly made it back to his feet and sprinted to the front so as to stay out of trouble. Now, as the race went on, he built up a huge lead. And at the 3,200 metres mark, so there's only, you know, um, oh, 1,000... 800 metres a go, that's yeah. what, yeah. how many laps, 400 metres, about three or four laps to go. Yeah, yeah, Lloyd was yeah. about five seconds behind Nagugi and it appeared that any chance he had of winning a medal 
was all but gone, especially with the excellent English duo of Jack Buckner, who was the European champ, and Mark Rowland, who was the Olympic bronze medalist in the steeplechase. Uh. However, with a lap to go, the lead was about 50 metres, and Nagugi appeared to have it well and truly won. However, Nagugi began to slow down, and it appeared he had that fall that he had early in the race was beginning to take its toll. Now, Lloyd began to put in a big kick, so kicks a big sprint to the finish line yeah. in the final lap. It was coming third, going into the final bend. He then passed Ian Harmer from Wales. Uh. He broke clear of the rest of the field in pursuit of Nagugi, who was tiring badly. Now, could Lloydie get there in time? It was him versus the finish line. Now, with five metres to go, <coughs> Lloyd powered past to win in a time of 13 minutes, 24 seconds, 86. So, yeah, he, he beat that time. So the time that Dick Telford wanted him to run, yeah. he beat that by about five seconds. So that's a great effort. And according to the 1999 Commonwealth Games gold, it was just 0.08 seconds in front of the Olympic champion. Yeah, so it was a very close finish. Um, I remember listening to this on the ABC Sports Radio commentary at the time. Tim Lane was calling it. Yeah, it was so exciting to listen to. And it was just a massive upset win. Now, Lloyd said that before the race, his goal was to finish in the top five. And Lloyd said, I could see him getting closer, but I thought I was going to run out of runway. And it wasn't until five to ten metres that I thought I could get it. Yeah. Now, John Nagugi knew the other runners were coming after him with about 200 metres to go, and he relaxed because he still thought he was going to win. And Nagugi felt angry because he had prepared to win, however said the Olympics are better than the Commonwealth Games. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Scoop. Yeah. But still, you know, you've got to be gracious. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Andrew Lloyd admits the result would have been different if not for, for all the falls in the race. However, was amazed by his win. Lloyd said that his dad ran up, came up and grabbed him, and Dick Telford was delighted. Telford said, I've never coached for the money. You coach to enjoy moments like that. Moments money can't buy. Uh, I've just got to go and close up the doors. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's starting to get cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be back. Well, it's a great story, you know, especially coming back after that tragedy with his wife um, being killed. And, yeah, wonderful story. And, yeah, let's look at uh, what Andrew Lloyd's doing right now. So he's now 63 years of age. Now, yeah, he married again. He married Carolyn Shawallo. And she's a 1988 Australian Olympic 10,000 metre runner. Yeah, she competed at the Olympics. And he did some public speaking after the 1999 Commonwealth Games. However, said publicity was not his thing. Now, he is a father of twins. Interesting and is the CEO of a company called Blue Line Sport, which imports uh, GU energy gels. Yeah. You ever heard of them before? Uh, Glenn? Uh, uh, <laughs> He's racing off to the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Okay, so that's the story of Andrew Lloyd. Yeah, it's interesting. I I, uh, <laughs> I was on Facebook just uh, yesterday, and there was another Andy Lloyd. He was an English cricketer, and he played for like thirty minutes. His Test career lasted for, and yeah, he in nineteen eighty four he sustained a, a vicious um, blow to the head from a Malcolm Marshall bouncer. And, yeah, his career, unfortunately, never really recovered, but uh, never played for England again, unfortunately. Yeah. Okay, so we'll look at some other sports people and teams who have benefited from others' misfortune and seize the moment. So I've spoken about this guy quite a few times, and Glenn mentioned him in the the last episode, Stephen Bradbury. (laughs) Yeah. So he's an Aussie short track speed skater who won Australia's first ever Winter Olympics gold medal. Now, speed skating involves skating around, well, it involves four to six competitors skating on an oval ice track with a length of 111 metres, 60 metres long and 30 metres wide. Yeah, so it's pretty small space. So Bradbury was part of the 1994 speed skating team that won the bronze medal, and won Australia's first ever Winter Olympics uh, medal. Yeah. So Bradbury was favourite to win the 1,000 sprint, however was knocked over and finished fourth. At the 1994 World Cup in Montreal, a competitor's blade in an accident while competing severed all of Bradbury's four quadricep muscles. Now Bradbury lost around four litres of blood and nearly died. His heart rate was around 200 beats per minute and he required 111 stitches and it took 18 months for him to recover and his career appeared to be all but over. And, yeah, especially with quads clean, they're just so essential in speed skating. You know, if you ever see those speed skaters... Um, oh, they've got massive legs, <laughs> massive quads, you know, because yeah. they're using them all the time. Okay. Oh, he's back. I'm back. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> he's all rugged up. The shack's in a bad place for winter here. Yeah. You, you, you get the sun. That's right. Come in about two o'clock, and then it says it goes. Yeah. The, temp- the temperature drops about, feels like about 10 degrees. It goes zoom uh, right down. Yeah. Yeah. So, Bradbury, he didn't give up. Yeah, so he competed at the next Winter Olympics, however, had disappointing results. However, it showed tremendous courage after such an horrific injury. Now, he had a bad accident in September 2000 while competing when he jumped over a competitor who fell in front of him. He then crashed into a wall, breaking his neck. Yeah. <laughs> so he's gone from, gosh, yeah. just about severing his leg. Yeah. yeah. So he's not having much luck, poor yeah. old Steve Bradbury. Yeah. Now, doctors told him, yeah, it was just time to give it up. You need to turn it up, Steve. <laughs> You're yeah. not having any luck. Yeah. But at the 2002 Winter Olympics in Salt Lake City, American Apollo Ono was the red-hot favourite to win speed skating gold. Yeah. Now, he, he was considered by many to be the greatest speed skater of all time. Now, Bradbury, with uh, metal in his neck, 
He made the quarterfinals and finished third behind defending gold medalist uh, Mark Gagnon. Yeah, he's a Canadian. And Ono. Now, Gagnon, he was later disqualified for blocking. So Bradbury, just by good luck, he uh, went through to the semifinals because the first two would go through, but because Gagnon was disqualified, Steve Bradbury went through. yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, so Bradbury finished second in the semi-final after two of the competitors slipped over. (laughs) (laughs) And then, so Bradbury's in the final now. So he goes into the final and is against just three gun competitors. So he's got Ono, the American. Um, Now, I'll see if I can pronounce this. I might need your machine for this one, Glenn. (laughs) Lee Ji-Jun. Ji-Jun. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you say it. Yeah. <laughs> and this bloke's won ten gold medals. <laughs> you can tell we're not in a winter Olympic country. Nah. Yeah, uh, and the other guy was Turcot from Canada. Yeah. It was uh, he'd won three gold medals before. Yeah, and Arnjun Su. He's a bit easier to pronounce. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and Bradbury's in there. As well, so he made up the field, and he's just there by good luck, you know. Yeah, so he made up the numbers. So in the final, Bradbury he just couldn't keep up with them. You know, the others were just too too hot for him, like, and he's way back. Yeah, yeah. And on the last corner, Lee decided to make an attack. He clipped Ono, Turcott, and Lee. All go base over apex, go crashing to the ice. Yeah. And Bradbury, who was the only one to stay on his feet, coasts home on his way to win gold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this was their strategy, apparently. He, he, org- <laughs> he, you know, designed with his coach. Because yeah. he knew he just couldn't match the speed of these blokes. Yeah. And it was called doing a Bradbury. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I remember that it used to be said a bit on TV. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember that day. I was in my unit at there. I was li- living in Parramatta at the time, yeah. in the studio unit, yeah. and um, I had a sports show on that I was listening to in the afternoon. And they say, "Oh, we've won our first Winter Olympics gold medal yeah. ever!" Yeah. Oh, jeez, I was just I was jumping for joy. Yeah. And a few days later, we won another one. Yeah. Lisa Camblin, yeah. she's a former Where Are They Now? She might have been our first one from memory, first or second. Yeah. She's going way back a couple of years ago. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, so yeah, so with his coach, uh, Anne Zhang, they realised they could not match the pace of the, the opponents, so it's decided it was best to just cruise behind and hope they crashed. Yeah. <laughs> and they did. Yeah. <laughs> and it worked. Yeah. Right, this next guy. His name's Alan Wells. Now, he's a Scottish and Great Britain Britain sprinter, right? So at the Olympic Games, see all those countries like Wales, Scotland, Northern Ireland and England, they compete as Great Britain. In the Winter Olympics, it's separate, you know. There's a Scottish team, Wales team. It's like in football too. That's why, you know, Wales qualified for the World Cup. Yeah. So, yeah, Alan Wells, he was a triple jumper and a long jumper in his junior years. And according to the Wheel of Sport podcast, 
was inspired by the great Jama- Jamaican sprinter Don Quarry at the 1970 Commonwealth Games, and he decided to concentrate on sprinting. So he trained in a cold Edinburgh, Edinburgh garage, building up his strength. Uh-huh. You know, I went to Edinburgh years ago, <laughs> but it's a cold and dark, dreary place. Yeah. But that, if you ever go there, that Edinburgh castle is just fascinating. Oh, yeah. yeah, incredible. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so he, he trained in this <laughs> this garage, you know. Yeah. They, in Scotland, they just didn't have the training facilities. But he, oh, yeah. he just had this such a determination to succeed. Yeah. Yeah, so he won the gold at the 1978 um, 200 metres at the Edmonton Commonwealth Games and silver in the 100. Yeah. Yeah. So at the 1980 Olympic Games, so they were to be held in Moscow in the in the uh, USSR. So I don't know if you remember this, but the Soviet Union, they invaded Afghanistan in January that year. Yeah. And it resulted in 65 countries boycotting the Games and it was led by the USA. Yeah. Now, remember Margaret Thatcher, the Iron Lady? Yeah. Yeah, she tried to bully the British Olympic Committee into boycotting, all to, but it was all to no avail. Great Britain decided to go to the Games, as did Alan Wells, who qualified for the Games. Now, Wells believed he was being blackmailed by the, uh, the British government. Yeah. Now, leading up to the Games, he didn't have a good preparation yeah, he was experiencing really bad back pain and was receiving treatment up to the games about four times a day. But he said that this helped him, you know, because it, cause he was getting all this treatment and massages all the time yeah. and it was helping him relax, yeah. you know, and focus on yeah. and visualise what he had Doing to do. Job. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So he went from, now get ready for this, he went from running... The uh, 100 metres in 1976, his time was 11 seconds. And, yeah, 1980, it was 10.1. So uh, in that short period of time, he's he's just about taken a second of yeah, his 100 metre time. Yeah. And that, that's huge. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, this was the British record at Moscow and he qualified for the final. Now, in the final, it was missing all of the American sprinters. Now, Wells' um, record of 10.25 seconds in the final. And, yeah, it's this, it's, um, yeah, his time was the same as the Cuban sprinter, Silvio Leonard. Now, on further photo analysis, Wells was ahead by seven centimetres because he ducked his head and shoulders over the line. That's what won him the race. It was was like Debbie Flintoff King, the Aussie 400-metre sprinter. That was the only reason she won gold because, you know, she uh, made that great decision to do exactly what Alan Wells did at the finish line, that won her the gold medal. Yeah. Yeah, so Alan Wells did that. So yeah, he uh, won, went on to yeah. So he won the gold medal, and this was unusual actually because Cuba and the Soviet Union, you know, they've had that close bond. Yeah. So when you know they realised there was a tie, 
Yeah, everyone was just expecting the race to go the Cuban. So remember the Cuban missile crisis? Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, no, they decided to give the race to Wells. So, yeah. So, yeah, apparently he became the last white man to win the 100 metres gold medal. Yeah. So Wells' gold medal is devalued because many believe because so many countries boycotted, he would never have won. However, two weeks after winning gold, he raced against the Americans in Koblenz, West Germany. I remember I went there once, Koblenz, yeah, it's a nice place. And he won. And that was even defeating the great Carl Lewis. So, yeah, you know, he made everyone eat their words. Okay, so... Yeah, this guy was um, on the news a few days ago, this bloke. He deserves yeah. great credit. We've, he's a former Where Are They Now? Yeah. Mr. Jeff Fennick. Yeah. Matt Vilmola. Yeah. yeah, well, apparently yeah. Um, he's great mates with Graham Arnold, the Socceroos yeah. coach. And just before the Socceroos um, played the game against Peru the other day, yeah, yeah he gave the uh, Socceroos a big... Inspirational talk before they went on to the pitch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And just telling them, you know, you can beat anyone on your, on your day. They've got arms and legs just like you. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, so Zumba Nelson, the great Garnon boxer. Yeah. So Fennec, yeah, he was formally uh-huh. attempted to become a four-division world champion by taking on a Zumba Nelson in Las Vegas in 1991. Yeah. Uh-huh. Now, the fight was controversially declared a draw after it appeared Fennec clearly dominated. And many, even Mike Tyson, believe Fennec was clearly robbed, which he was. Now, later in the year, Nelson travelled to Australia to take on Fennec at Princess Park in Melbourne. Now, this time, Nelson regrouped and knocked out Fennec in the eighth round. It was Jeff Fennec's first loss, and Azuma Nelson retained his title. Yeah. And Ring Ring Magazine recognised Fennec's loss yeah. as the upset of the year. Oh. Mm. <laughs> now, yeah. oh, we've spoken about this one a lot, <laughs> and it still gives me PTSD till this day. Yeah. <laughs> but not as great as Paris' loss in the 1998 preliminary final. Yeah. I ran the Iranian football team in 1997 against Australia. Yeah. So Australia was 2-0 up against Iran in the second half and soccer supporters were just about to book their tickets to the World Cup in France in 1998. Now Australia had all the momentum in front of 85,000 spectators at the MCG and with about 19 minutes to go, according to FIFA.com, a spectator, what was his name? Peter Hoare, serial pest. Yeah, he was the one who... Ran down, uh, you know, disrupted Michael Hutchins' uh, um, funeral. Yeah. yeah, he entered the field and tore down part of the net, which resulted in a five-minute delay. Now this break allowed Iran to regroup, and suddenly Iran looked dangerous, and uh, suddenly scored two goals in the space of four minutes. Yeah, and everyone was just stunned. And the game ended in a two-all draw, and Iran gained a place in the World Cup. Due to the away goal rule. Yeah. Yeah. Now, next one is English golfer called Danny Willett. Mm. Yeah. And 
So in the final round of the 2016 Masters at Augusta, Jordan Spieth had a commanding lead and was yeah. well on his way to retaining the green jacket and the Masters title he won the previous year. Now, Spieth had a five-shot lead going into the back nine holes. He then had bogeys at the 10th and the 11th hole. And then on the 12th hole, he hit two balls into the water and ended up with a quadruple bogey. Uh. Now, Spieth was, according to Teddy Greenstein in the Chicago Tribune, then tied for fourth and three shots behind. Uh. So he's gone from miles in front to, like, in the yeah. space of a few holes, one yeah. way behind. Yeah. Spieth came runner-up to England's Danny Willett, who won by three shots. Yeah. And, you know, he hasn't <laughs> been much heard of since yeah. Danny Willett ever since then. Yeah. yeah. Grabbed that opportunity. Now, England, you spoke about this last week, Glenn. Yeah. yeah. It was a really good one you brought up. Uh, the England cricket team at the 1992 World Cup semi-final. Against South Africa. Yeah. So the South African team returned to world cricket after apartheid and excelled making the semi-finals of the 1992 World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. Yeah. Now they played England in the semi-final in Sydney yeah. and had a tough run chase of 253 runs in 45 overs. Yeah. And it was a match reduced due to rain. Yeah, so... yeah. I remember going to their first game back at the SCG when they they played Australia in that World Cup and spanked Australia by nine wickets. Yeah. Yeah. Now, South Africa were well-placed with Hansi Cronier and Jonty Rhodes taking the score the 202 with plenty of wickets in hand. Then the rain came down in buckets, forcing players to leave the field. Now, according to cricktracker.com, the Proteas... Required 22 runs off 30 off 13 balls. So that's gettable, you know. Yeah. Then, when they returned to the field to play after 12 minutes after television demands, the TV screen and the SCG flashed up. <laughs> South Africa required 22 runs off one ball, which was an impossible task. Would have been one hell of a mighty hit. <laughs> England went on to to the final, yeah. So yeah, you're talking last week about um, the, the don't work yeah, you know how a lot of teams in cricket uh-huh. are dudded, you know, like Australia won that first one day game against Sri Lanka yeah. the other day. Ex- you yeah, know, actually, ex- I just brought the the, ca- <coughs> the calculator up on yeah online. Yeah, you can put in statistics to. Oh, can you? Yeah. Really? So it must be used. Well, this this is on a on an English website, so it may, maybe mm. it's used. Would it be it be used in just yeah county cricket and all yeah. all cricket matches? Yeah. Well, the Duckworth Lewis, I remember they brought that in in the nineteen ninety nine World Cup, and up until then they'd stuffed around with so many things, you know, trying to get the best method. But yeah, that the Duckworth Lewis, Lewis method has been in place ever since then. I think. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm just gonna have a fiddle around here mm. with the calculator and just see what it brings up. One loss. Um, team B got a hundred points. Yeah, keep going. Oh. 
Yeah, so next one I'll go on about, uh, Brazil at the 1995 World Cup final against Italy. So during the 1995, uh, sorry, 1994 World Cup final at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, USA, the match finished nil all after extra time. And it then went into penalties, like it did the other night with the Socceroos. It's, yeah. it's a, you got to admit, it's a ridiculous way to decide a game. It's, it's yeah. like a, a lottery, isn't it? Yeah. You know, you may as well flick a coin. Yeah. yeah. Now, Brazil went on to win the match in penalties, three goals to two. Now, Italy's Roberto Baggio missed the important penalty and Brazil went on to win the World Cup. Yeah, I think that was like their fourth title back then. Now, this one, I've never heard of them before. But, uh, yeah, Americans definitely would have heard of this lady. Yeah, because she's apparently a a, a skiing superstar. Yeah. Well, snowboarding. Yeah, it is. Now, Tanya Fryden, it was at the 2006 Winter Olympics. So according to Olympics.com, Lindsay uh, Jacobellis, now she's the most decorated female snowboard cross athlete of all time. Now she's five times world champion and ten times cross games champion. Yeah, so at the 2006 Turin Winter Olympics, Jacobellis was competing in her first Olympics and was cruising to victory in the snowboard cross final. Uh. Now, Jacob Ellis was approaching the end of the course with a three-second lead over Tanya Fryden of Switzerland. Uh. Now, on the second-last jump, sports.yahoo.com reported that Jacob Ellis attempted a celebratory method grab. And uh. then when she came down, she landed on the edge of her snowboard and fell. Uh. Now, Fryden passed her to go on and win gold. Incredibly, Jacob Ellis was unable to medal at the next three Winter Olympics until earlier this year. She uh. broke her curse and went on to finally win gold in the mixed team uh. snowboard cross at the Beijing Winter Olympics. So I guess she'd be really disappointed, wouldn't she? Like, yeah. She's been to all those Winter Olympics. She's won uh. every single thing under the sun. Yeah. She never won an individual yeah. gold medal. Yeah. But she reckons that she didn't do the celeb- celebratory jump. Yeah. yeah, it was just the way she landed, you know, yeah. she got things wrong. And yeah. yeah. Now, this next story is a bit similar to your what you were talking about earlier in the show, Glenn. Yeah, yeah and I've never heard of these blokes before, yeah. and I'm sure most of our listeners haven't heard of them either. Yeah. <laughs> so... Ellie Isabite and Adam Tupalik. You heard of them? <laughs> I'll turn it up if you heard of them. Uh. <laughs> Tupalik is a Czech cyclocross and road cyclist. Now, at the men's under 23 event at the 2016 uh, UCI Cyclocross World Championships, Tupalik raised his hands. In victory, after crossing the finish line, thinking he had won the race. Uh, However, he did not realise there was another lap to go. Uh, <laughs> now, according to velonews.com, this hesitation caused, allowed the Belgium rider 
Eli Eisebart to yeah. catch up and pass Tupalik, yeah. who then went on to win the title yeah. with Tupalik picking up the silver. <laughs> <laughs> so he didn't go home empty-handed. Yeah. yeah, this just happened in recent years. Yeah. yeah. Now, now I haven't heard of the winner, but I've heard of the yeah. the athlete. Who uh, yeah. had the bad luck in this next one? We're going mm. right back to 1984 to yeah. the Los Angeles Olympics. Yeah. Mary Decker. Now, she was a middle distance runner going into the Los Angeles Olympics in 1984. Now, she, she was the world champion in the 1500 metres and 3000 metres and was the world record holder in the mile and the 5000 metres and the 10,000 metres. Now, in total, she set 17 official and unofficial world records. Jeez, I never knew she was that good. Yeah. Now, she became the first woman in history to break 4.4 4 minutes, 20 seconds for the mile. Yeah. So she's got incredible, yeah. you know, <laughs> like she's going to be hard to beat. Yeah. Uh, but as we know, you know, from the Andrew Lloyd story, Anything yeah. can happen in those right. middle distance events, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, unfortunately, Decker is well remembered for an unfortunate incident at these Olympics in 1984. Now, Decker was heavily favoured to win a gold medal in the 3,000 metres at her home games. Now, in the final, barefoot runner Zola Budd, who was uh, South African, and now was running for Great Britain, was running beside Decker. Now, Decker stood on Bud, collided with Bud, and fell, injuring her hip. Now, Decker, due to her injury, did not finish the race. And Marisika Poika of Romania went on to win gold, with Bud finishing seventh. Now, Decker blamed Bud for the collision, However, a year later, they competed against each other in London. Decker won the race. Bud finished fourth. The two shook hands and made up. Now, according to Tara uh, Parker Pope in the New York Times, years later, Decker said the reason she fell was because she was inexperienced running in a pack. Yeah. And I guess, you know, with all those world records, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, unfortunately, she's remembered for that. You know, yeah, that event, unfortunate yeah. fall that she had. Yeah. Now, this one really hurts. Thankfully, it happened in, you know, the very early hours of the morning and I wasn't awake to see it or yeah. else I'd still be having nightmares over it. Yeah. Ernie Els and Adam Scott. Yeah, so Aussie golfer Adam Scott is the only Aussie to have won the Masters and was the world number one golfer for three months in 2014. At the 2012 British Open, Scott was on course to win his first major title with a four-shot lead with just four holes to play. Uh. However, Scott bogeyed the 15th hole and the 16th hole. Now, South African great Ernie Els birdied the final hole to become leader Yeah, in the clubhouse at seven under. So all Ernie can do then is just, you know, uh. sit in the clubhouse and... Wait uh, to see what happens. Yeah. yeah. And he was one shot behind Scott. Now, on the 17th hole, Scott overhit the fairway, approach shot, and it landed in thick rough at the back of the green. 
Now, he went on to bogey the hole and was now in a tie for the lead with um, Eels. Now, at the 18th hole, so he's still got a chance, you know. He's uh, got to get a birdie on the last uh, win. Yeah, so at the 18th hole, Scott b- required a birdie to win the title on a par to force it into a playoff with Eels. Uh, oh, yeah, sorry. No, so he needed a, a birdie to win. Yeah, but a par would force the playoff. So, you know, that's gettable for him. Yeah. But as we know in British Open, <laughs> that 18th hole... <laughs> Anything yeah. can happen. Because yeah, right. apparently, like with Paul Laurie, he was in the clubhouse. He was packing his stuff. He was—I think he was having a drink. Uh. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> oh shit, I'm in a playoff. <laughs> yeah. So Scott found a bunker off the tee. It was underneath. It was underneath the lip. So that's the very edge of the the bunker. Yeah. Bunkers are a bastard. The game. Yeah. You know, if you're not in the right spot in yeah. the bunker, you're stuffed. Yeah. So, yeah, so it forced him to pitch out sideways. Now, for his third stroke, he played an iron shot uh. to leave himself with an eight-foot par putt to take the championship to a playoff. Now, Scott narrowly missed the putt on the outside edge of the hole and it resulted in another bogey to finish the round. Uh. Ells won another major and won the title by one shot. The Big Easy... So he's, that's a nickname for Ernie Els. Yeah. He's a big man, but he's easy going. Yeah. yeah, he won his fourth major title and his second British Open. Yeah. And it's amazing how some of those players, you know, they just rise to that occasion yeah. and win majors. That's and, right. But no, full credit to Adam Scott. He came back, you know, not long after that and he yeah. won the Masters with that pressure putt. Yeah. yeah, so any, you know, I don't classify any golfer a choker. Because that is a bloody hard sport. Yeah. 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 It's not walking around the greens. Oh, yeah. 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 You know. (laughs) It just takes one thing, especially, you know, in those – because they're bloody hard um, golf courses. Yeah. Yeah. When I was in my late teens and I was helping a mate out that owned it, it was caught, caught a shop that we opened up to feed. Yeah, it was like basically a late night shop. It opened up when the others closed, and yeah, you know, closed two or three in the morning so all the drunks could get a feed and stuff like that. Yeah, and he had a girl Jane working for him, and he she was a mad golfer, and he said, "Oh." You should go for Jane. She'd like to get hold of your balls. (laughs) (laughs) What happened to that joke segment that you used to have? We have to bring that back. Yeah. Yeah. Have a joke of the week. A joke of the week. Have a look at that. Yeah. Yeah. So we're now up for the reveal. Time to reveal this week's Who Am I? And the answer is... Sandic. Faldo. Faldo. I don't know what's happened to my script, but it's gone really small. Yeah, yeah. it's my Chromebook. Because, yeah. Um, yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't um, type out very clearly a lot yeah. of the time. Yeah. yeah. So you, you've got your top five? Yeah. This episode? What's your number one? Yeah, the same as yours. Same as mine? Yeah, yeah. totally agree. Well, we'll go to the number five. So I've got Mr. Andrew Lloyd, number five. 
Number four, I've got Ben Stokes and the England cricket team at the 2019 Cricket World Cup final. Number three, I've got Iran football team. You know, because these were just massive events, you know. Like, yeah, that, you know, World Cup final and England ended up, you know, went into that super over and they won by like a centimetre in that super over. And they appeared to, you know, all was lost. Yeah. And second place, I've got uh, Tanya Fryden at the 2006 Winter Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. If you ever go on YouTube, watch it. Number one is... Stephen Bebby. Yep. Oh, you can't beat that. He's a lay-down mazair for that one. Okay, so next episode... So, yeah, we spoke about a few of them today. Yeah, I'm gonna we're gonna talk about great sporting performance comebacks. Yeah. So, yeah, we had an earlier episode on redemption stories, and yeah. but this is different. It's actually in a performance. So, you know, we spoke today about you know England's incredible comeback in the the second test to win that test match during the week, yeah. and uh, you know, Paul Laurie coming from 10 shots behind uh, to win the British Open uh, out of nowhere. Uh, yeah, so it, but one thing, you're not allowed to talk about the 1998 preliminary rugby league final uh, between Canterbury and Parramatta uh, or else Paul will need to have, you'll need to go back in the counselling. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Banned. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you spoke about the city of the surf. Mm. Earlier on in this podcast, so what a bit of details about it. It's been going since nine. The first one was in September 1971. Yeah, that's right. 50 years ago, 52. And it's on this year in August, 14th of August. Mm. And it's actually 13 kilometres, 13.907 kilometres. Right. Yeah. It so, feels like about a hundred. Yeah. <laughs> By the time you finish, yeah, yeah it would do. Yeah, yeah. So it's amazing how they do it because um, you know it's so well organised. Because when when you go to the start, you've got your bags and you know, and you change into your gear, yeah, and then it's all waiting for you at the end. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. amazing. Yep, yeah. but um, no, just looking at some other comebacks, you know. During the week in the third 2020 game, you know, Sri Lanka came from, although Australia had won the series, in the final game, Sri Lanka has scored 59 runs off the last three overs. Yeah. 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 Wow. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. that's big hitting. Yeah. And one that really comes to my mind is uh, Pat, Aussie tennis player. Remember Pat Cash? Yeah. Two sets down in the 86 Davis Cup final yeah. and he fought back and won. Yeah, and the, and just some statistics here with the course record for men mm. by Steve Monaghetti. Forty minutes to forty forty minutes point two four, sorry, forty minutes two seconds point Gee, four six. That's flying. Yeah. yeah. And, and the women's was Susie Powell at forty five minutes and eight seconds. Jeez. In twenty um 
So there's, yeah. So there were some years I went in it. I reckon it took me five to ten minutes to get over the starting line. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, there's about what eighty thousand participants. Oh yeah, yeah. On, on the on the course, mm. and seeing that you're off to um, off to the Blue Mountains. Yeah. Now, do you know why the Blue Mountains are called the Blue Mountains? It's because of the eucalyptus off is the it, trees, or, isn't it? Or is it because you turn blue when you go down there? Oh, mate, it'll be bloody freezing there oh. next week. I'll give you the drum. Yeah. Well, when I'm there this time tomorrow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, well, this here, i got the weather up here. So on the Gold Coast here, we're at 20 degrees. On the Gold Coast here, and it's nine degrees down there. Oh, bless my soul. <laughs> <laughs> Just thinking of going down there is making me colder. Well, mate, I remember last year when I was there, yeah. the day, this day it was snowing, it was minus one. Yeah. But a few days later it was seven degrees. That's seven degrees. Yeah. It was a lot colder than the minus one. And because of the wind. Yeah, the wind. Oh, yeah. The wind there in winter is, oh, it is shocking. Yeah, because well, well, I reckon any time because I was up there in late spring, um, yeah, in the two thousands, um, and it was it was sort of in the morning when we did the uh, work in the morning, I was actually in single singlet and shorts. <laughs> it was really pleasant. <laughs> anyway, we we went in to this was at the Lou Garden Resort. Yeah. And we went and had lunch. By the time we came out, you could see the icicles on a form starting to form on everything. And I said, "Yeah, I do." Oh yeah, I didn't take enough warm clothes. Yeah, oh, cardinal sin. Yeah, yeah. Because you think, yeah, you know, at Port Macquarie it was a you know, a pleasant twenty four, twenty five degrees. Yeah, and thinking, well, yeah, it's springtime. It'll be the same down there. But <laughs> nah, that's it. That concern changing. No time at all. Oh, we'll hear all about it next week. I'll come uh, back with frostbite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, are you are you coming back via cans? So no. You can, so you can thaw out <laughs> before you come back to the Gold Coast. Yeah. Oh, I don't think I'll have enough time for that. Yeah. But we'll see what I can do. Yeah. 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 But yeah. Uh, I'll be looking forward to getting back to some warmer weather. Yeah. Yeah. So, you haven't, you haven't even left and you want to come back. You, you're looking forward to coming back. But this is the thing. When I was a kid, you never noticed it. Because uh, you just, you grew up with it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you, you, know, you think, well, what's changed? Mm. Yeah, I should be able to adapt to it because I was born here. I lived here for yeah. you know, the first 20 whatever years that you, mm. you're there for. Yeah. But no, it's definitely. No. Yeah. Once you go to another climate and you're used to that, yeah, yeah you can't go back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh well, I find I'll be thinking about you. Yeah. Yep. I thought the blue man. Yeah, I think I said that before about the blue mountains because it makes you blue. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, like it does this time of year? I'll give you the tip. Yeah. Especially if that wind's coming off the Jamison Valley. Yeah. So all the, oh. uh, all the shopping centres heated well down there. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, because yeah. I, I know when I was in Canberra in, um, in August 2000, 2000 actually, um, yeah, the course down there, it was 
the, the hotel room was really heated and yeah. everyone were, were, else was heated, but when you're getting around to the places, getting into the car and <laughs> oh, I just happened to put all this warm stuff on then get indoors and take it all off. Yeah, that's uh, right. Yep. Okay, yeah. Yeah, you just want to run and hide when it's cold like that, but, you know, yeah. that's what it's like in Europe. Yeah. yeah. It's so well heated indoors. Yeah. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Anyway. Yep. Rightio, so thanks for joining us for this episode of The Sports Shack. So it's a goodbye from Paul. It's a goodbye for Glenn. Goodbye. Bye. G'day, it's me again. Please check out The Sporting Shack on Facebook if you like this. For posts and other likes and shares. Have a great sporting week. Please check out Gold Studio Productions on Facebook. Until next time...